Amen. Good to have a seat, church. Man, way to worship the Lord the way He deserves, huh? Amen. Amen. Uh, welcome to New Vintage. If it's your first time, we're so glad to have you here with us. If you're joining us online, God bless you as well. We hope to have you with us live sometime soon. Um, and uh, today we're kind of wrapping up this series we're calling Dedicated, Dedicated to God. So we talk, as we talked about kind of throughout the series, being dedicated means kind of set apart. Uh, that, you know, if you're saving money for your kid's college fund or whatever, maybe you set some money aside and you say, okay, that's over there. That's untouchable. That's, that's, that's sacred, right? Well, our lives are supposed to be that way. They're supposed to be set aside for God. And so when we got to Mark 12, we looked at Jesus when he's asked what the greatest commandments are, and he says, here they are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we've done heart, mind, and soul. Today we do strength. And as, I pro as promised, we're going to have a little time to work out a plan. So if you're a note taker um, or whatever, go ahead and, and prepare yourself for that to get some habits going that will help cultivate the way of life that uh, Scripture is calling us to. So let's just start there. What does it mean to love God with all of our strength? Okay, Loving God with all of our strength means devoting our focus and our effort to loving Him completely. Effort, the E word. Uh, I think there was a pendulum swing in Christianity, if you kind of go back to, say, the last 50 years or so, where there was a point where I think people got so focused on works, the, the, uh, the idea that I, can, I need to do a lot of good things, and if you're really a Christian, you're going to do all these kinds of things, and if you do that, then maybe God, uh, you can earn God's love somehow, or maybe even earn your salvation, which Scripture, of course, blatantly says is not the case. There is no place or, or point in time at which I chalk up enough good deeds or good acts in this column that I can earn my salvation. But at the same time, there was the pendulum swing then that says, okay, to get away from legalism, we're going to kind of go to this gooey version of Christianity, which, which basically says, hey, it doesn't really matter what you do in this life. God's kind of done it all for you. So uh, once you have that kind of rational ascent or that one-time moment, we're just going to go ahead and, and from that point on, you can just kind of live the way that you see fit. Don't worry about it. Grace covers all, which is also an anti-biblical way of looking at things. That if the greatest commandment is to love God with everything, love your neighbor as yourself, then we go about doing those things, not per se to try and earn our salvation, but to do what we're supposed to do as lives and, and people that are dedicated for God. That's the life to which we're called. So uh, Dallas Willard put it great in one sentence, grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. I like that. It's exactly kind of the biblical way of doing it. God isn't opposed to effort. You're supposed to love God with all your strength. We're supposed to try. And there are very few things in the world that you can ever develop any proficiency at without trying. If you think about almost anything you do, you have to try at some point. Even when you're a little kid, drinking a glass of water takes effort. You have to learn how to do it. Learning the alphabet takes effort, right? But now, some of you can speak multiple languages. Uh, you, can, you can do a lot better than drink water. You can drink all sorts of things, eat all sorts of things. You can eat with a fork, chopsticks, all sorts of different things just because you've practiced. Spiritual life is similar. There is training that goes with the process of becoming, uh, maybe advancing is a better way to put it, in your walk with the Lord. And so that's what we want to look at today. Now we're going to turn to Hebrews 12 to get our start. In Hebrews 11, the chapter right before, is what's called often the Hall of Fame chapter. And that's where uh, the writer of Hebrews says, 
you know, by faith, so-and-so did this, and this is what happened as the result. And he calls out hero after hero after hero of the faith. Moses, Abraham, even calls out Rahab the prostitute. He calls out uh, the names of all sorts of different heroes of the faith and talks about, you know, I don't even have time to tell you about the rest of them who by faith did all sorts of other things. But he's going on this journey of trying to help us look to these people, these heroes of the faith, if you will, and to be able to identify them and draw inspiration from what they did by allowing their faith to lead as opposed to just the way that they felt. Now, the context of the book is that these are people who are suffering. They are being persecuted for their beliefs. And the, there's so much about suffering and, and perseverance and everything in the book of Hebrews, it's pretty easy to tell that that was the root issue and that was the problem. And basically, the, the, the book of Hebrews is a very advanced theological treatise that when you boil it down, basically just says, keep going. Don't stop. Persevere. And it does it and draws the picture in a, in a thousand different ways. And when you get to Hebrews 11, you get the Hall of Fame chapter, and then it says this as you roll into chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, now he's talking here about the people in chapter 11, such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. We're going to spend about 15 minutes pulling this apart, pulling a few things out of this text, and then we're going to go build our plan. But the plan doesn't do you any good if you're not trying to worship God with your strength. I mean, if you're not going to try, you can build all the plans in the world. It doesn't do you any good. I can sit here and talk about all the different things I want to accomplish. I can write down all these great, great and wonderful plans. I can say, hey, you know, maybe you did with your New Year's resolutions. Hey, here are the things I want to do. But if you're not going to try, they're not going to be accomplished. And so to go with the plan, you have to kind of make a decision that says, I am going to commit myself to this. I'm going to dedicate myself to this. And I believe by faith that if I do, that God is going to bless that and I'm going to see the fruit that he promises me. So there's an act of faith to start that says, okay, by faith, I'm going to try because I believe that what God says in his word is true. So I'm going to accept that and believe in it and then devote myself to it. And I'm going to do it like I devote myself to nothing else in this life. I'm not going to devote myself uh, to it like I am, okay, I want to get home by five o'clock. Not that kind of devotion, way beyond that. This is what my life is about, that kind of devotion. Nothing else in this life trumps it. Everything else in my life, everything, my family, everything, I view through that lens, loving God with everything, loving my neighbor as myself. So, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, let's, three quick lessons here. Number one, he says, hear the crowd. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run, okay, the cloud of witnesses. 
Okay, why does he do that? Well, obviously we talked about drawing inspiration from their walk and their life, but then in 12, he almost pictures it like, like the church is a, a track team and, and the cloud of witnesses are in the stands. And so we're running around this track with a crowd in the stands. Now, later today, I'm told there are some football games being played. And you have the AFC and NFC championship games being played. And you will see stadiums packed with people who are screaming at the top of their lungs because they know that if they do that, that's going to make the players, they hope at least, play harder, play better. They're going to boo the officials, hoping they can sway their perspective. You are going to be yelling at your television screen, thinking that somehow through some time-space continuum, your anger is going to make it all the way to the officials or whatever. I know. I believe it happens. I don't know about you. But you need to scream at your television. Why are you doing that? Why is everybody screaming? Why is everybody yelling if it doesn't do any good? Well, part of it's stress release for us, right? I got I to gotta get this out, man. I'm going to express myself. But the other part is we're hoping that the players on the field will hear our cheers. Uh, when I first started, I was a pitcher. And so one of the things that you, you, you've got to get very good at doing is blocking out crowd noise when you need to. But I also realized at some point there's another gear that when you get to be an effective enough pitcher, you can either, if you're on the road, you can draw strength from the booze of the road crew or applause from your home crowd. It does make a difference. When somebody's encouraging you, cheering you on, right? When your kid's playing soccer, softball, volleyball, you say, hey, way to go. Okay, why are you doing that? Is it just for you to express yourself or is it because you're hoping they're going to hear you and thus keep going? See, to me, it makes a big difference if I realize that as I'm running this race, as I'm walking this path, that I got Moses looking at me. I got Noah. I got David. I got Rahab and Jesus, most importantly, that are there cheering me on, bearing witness to this path. This race that I'm running, right? And there he is going, Tim. And that, by the way, goes for the booze of the evil one's side. I love hearing the booze of Satan. I love it. I love, it's like, it's like knowing, you know, it's like you ever see those, like, I don't know if any of you ever watched pro wrestling, but when I was a kid, they always had the villains and they'd walk in, everybody's a boo, and they just seemed to bathe in it like it was soap and, and lotion. They go, give me more you know, boo me harder, I love it, you know, kind of a thing. You want to hear that from the evil one. If your life is never challenged and you face no trials or persecutions, it's worth asking which team you might be on. But if you're on the king's team and you're playing hard, you're running the races you're supposed to, then you should hear the applause of heaven at the same time that you're hearing the boos of hell, right? So this picture that he gives to me is just awesome. It's, it's something that I go, you know what, I, I don't really think often about the fact that there are people watching, witnesses, a cloud of witnesses. What does a witness do? They watch, they observe. Number two, run light, run hard. So he says, throw off whatever hinders, especially the sin that so easily entangles, and run the race that's marked out before you. Now, there are so many things that we carry around that make us run with weight on us. 
Uh, I'm an avid hiker, and when I first started doing it, I used to carry a, uh, a camelback, one of those backpacks with full water, wherever I went. No matter, it didn't matter how long the, the hike was or how hard it was. I would just take one with me because I didn't want to run out of water, no matter what. And so I would go two, three-mile hike uphill. It was still hard uh, because I was basically wearing a small child on my back as I was going. And it finally, I realized that, you know, I don't, I've never finished the water in there. I barely touch it, actually. Maybe I could just carry a water bottle with me, uh, you know, kind of a big plastic one or whatever, and go, and that would be plenty. When I did, it was like all of a sudden I was a world-class hiker, as I felt. I'd left the water behind, or the way I should have done it, which was to put the water, it belongs in my system, not on my back, right? So when I realized that, then all of a sudden I got to be a more effective uh, hiker who could hike longer and, and, and do more advanced hikes, not because I was that much stronger. I wasn't carrying as much weight. You know, and, and that's kind of the image here. Throw off the stuff. Stop running with a parachute on. Dump the stuff that's holding you back. Now, you may know already, as soon as, you, as that Scripture was read out loud, you may have known exactly what that was. For some of us, it is the sin that so easily entangles. I would love to follow God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, but I've got this sin I haven't dealt with. I've got an addiction I haven't dealt with. Uh, I haven't been truthful, you know, with my spouse, or I haven't been truthful with my friends, or I haven't lived a life of integrity, or whatever the case may be. If it's a sin that entangles you, then there's a path for that. The way you throw it off is you repent, you accept the forgiveness of God, and you change. If it's not per se sin, it's just a challenge, or it's it's a relationship that you're you're in, maybe with a friend or a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever the case is, that that we're there on a different path. And every time you hang out with them, they pull you off the path. Or they kind of they try to convince you all the time, stop running. Don't run. Why are you wasting all your energy on that race? The real race is over here. This is the fun race over here. This is the race where, you know, where all the, all the viewers are. You want to you be over here so that you can get Instagram likes. That's a lot better than the cloud of witnesses over here in this race. Besides, over here, this leads occasionally to pain and suffering and sweat. You don't want that. Run this race, which leads to, they say, big time happiness and, and everybody thinking you're cool and feeling like, you know what, my life turned out better than all my peers. And you know what, I fit in with everybody else and it feels so great and everything. And meanwhile, scripture's over here saying, no, 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 that's a bogus race that leads to hell. This is the one you want. This is the one that your king ran before you. And when you are... Uh, when you're committed to running that race and you get discouraged, then you remember Jesus. That's number three. He says, when you get tired, remember him. Verse four is kind of funny. I didn't include it in the text today. But he basically says, you know, you haven't suffered to the point of shedding blood. Basically saying, I know you think what you're experiencing is hard. It's not. Uh, it's actually not hard at all. You haven't died Sounds like something my dad would have said when I was a kid. He would have said, whatever, I'm not going to kill you. That's basically what he's saying. But So consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. When things get difficult, you remember Christ. When things are difficult, 
you feel like quitting, you remember the one who didn't quit, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, and now is seated at the right hand of God. So that, that race over here leads to the right hand of God. This race over here, you can walk, you can go when you want, stop when you want, blah, 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 blah. But where it ends, you're going to end up, even if you win the race, you're going to be king of the hill of the wrong hill at the end. So that's what he's trying to warn us away from. He says, when it gets hard, remember Jesus. Now, when it comes to building this or, or building your training regimen for running this race, which is what we're going to turn to now, um, it's important that we focus on the training aspect and not the goal. We talked last week about this a little bit. We kind of just touched on it. But your identity, who you are, who you want to become, is a better driver and a better goal for you than a particular tangible goal. Uh, so if I say, for instance, I want to lose 20 pounds, okay, that's a goal. And what tends to happen is, and we, that's why we have to set the same goal every year in January, because we go ahead and we lose 20 and then we gain 20 back, right? Because the goal isn't a firm enough thing. What we need is to become a healthy person, which then allows you to lose 20 pounds. But if you don't take on that identity, for instance, I am dedicated. My life is dedicated to God. That's why I do this. That's who I am. I love God. He's my everything. Everything I do, I eat, drink, sleep, Jesus. I run Jesus. I walk Jesus. I sleep Jesus. Ask me. I sneeze Jesus. You know, that, that, that everything I do is Jesus. That's who I am. Why do you read Scripture? I don't set the goal. I want to read my Bible every day. My goal is to love God with everything. And that means I need to get to know Him, and He needs to have a foothold in my life. He needs to, he needs to have a voice in everything that I do. And I access that through the Bible. So I want the Bible because it helps me love God with everything. You see the difference? All right, there was a... This is an interesting cat here. His name's Archilochus. Um, he was a Greek poet and mercenary. I don't know how those go together, <laughs> but he would, he would, I guess, read you a poem while he killed you. But um, Archilochus, his name in Greek means uh, something like leader of ambushes. He said this, we do not rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. Habits guru, James Cleary, wrote a book called Atomic Habits. He put it a little differently. He said, we don't rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our system. So we often think, okay, I'll set a goal here, and that's where I'm headed. And in reality, it's going to be the training regimen, the habits that you put into place that determine whether you get there or not. So I can say, you know, hey, my goal is to run a marathon. And if I don't train for it, I probably won't finish at all. And if I do, it'll, be in, it'll take me three days. And, if, and, and then I'll be hurt and injured, and I'll never want to do it again. So... The, that focusing on the training and the habits, and that's really where Scripture puts its weight. There is a prize that we obtain at the end, but didn't spend a lot of time defining the prize. We all know it means the, the eternal life with God in abundance in the here and now and eventually eternal life with God. But it doesn't say go just achieve that. It talks a lot more about the transformation of our character. That's why it says, you know, offer your lives as living sacrifices. It doesn't say, Set the goal to go to heaven. 
Nope, offer your lives as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See the difference in how it, how it describes things? So that's where we're going to put the focus here. Now this week, we're going to do something we don't usually do. We're going to add some bonus materials to the sermon. So pay attention to like YouTube and social media channels. We'll try to email them out as well because there's not enough time to get through all this today. Um, and and we'll, we're going to kind of stay a little closer to the spiritual disciplines here. But there's other stuff, calendar-based stuff, managing energy, managing attention that also play into this. Um, there's, a, there's a group of guys um, on a podcast, and they use the acronym T, Time, Energy, and Attention. And talking about the need to manage all three of those. And, and I do believe that time is actually the easiest to manage. Energy and attention are a lot harder to manage. And if you don't manage energy and attention well, you can't really manage your time well. It's almost impossible. Because the time you do anything, you won't have the energy to do it or you won't be paying enough attention to do it well. And everything will take you twice as long and you'll resist doing it because you're tired and you don't, wanna, you don't have the energy to do it. So we'll talk about that this week. Anyway. Get your plans out, off we go. We're going to pick three things, uh, word, prayer, and fellowship. And the reason we're picking those is because that's where all the, what you would call the spiritual masters, uh, people who've really walked with the Lord closely, if as they isolate things, the consensus is that those are the big three. And then we're going to pick a, a diet at the same time. So a diet plus three, off we go. Um. As you go through this, we're going to give you a checklist, and, and I'll, I'll walk you briefly through these. If, if you're just new to this, pick one. Like, start small. If you're already doing some of these, add a second one. Or if you want to write something in, that's fine. Uh, these are kind of hand-picked for kind of 21st century American people, um, but there are plenty out there that, that exist uh, in other corners of the, of the world. So let's start here with the diet. Pick one of these. Quit something keeping you from keeping God at the center. We've talked about this, but you probably know what this is. Could be a sin, addiction, um, but the, the stopping of things. There's a stop and a start, as we talked about last week, to, to a, a rhythm of stopping and starting. If you want to get healthy, you stop eating crud and you start exercising, or you stop eating this and you start eating that. Spiritual disciplines are very similar. Uh, it's not just I'm going to pray more because if you don't, if you're not stopping anything else or the things that actually prevent you from developing a life of prayer, it's going to be harder to do. So there's a point at which you either make a decision to cut something out of your life or you, you, you say, okay, I'm going to sacrifice this so I can do this because this is more important. All right. Uh, now let me, let me add one caveat here too, before we stop. So let me hit the pause button, go back just a step. I wanted to, I want to encourage you as you do this to declare calendar bankruptcy. Here's what I mean by that. Take everything you, you currently do and wipe it out. Build a week that is completely blank. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, nothing on there, not sleep, not eating, nothing. Okay, and then put these things in there first. Before you sleep, before you eat, anything. Because if you're loving God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that's what your life's about, then these things should come first, right? These first. I'll put these in first, then I'll sleep, then I'll eat. You'll find the time. But if you, if you do it, what will end up happening is your calendar is going to overwhelm you. You're going to open it up, see all the things you have to do, and you're going to, I don't have time for that. Or you're going to give this stuff the dregs off of the rest of your calendar. You'll give it the last fruits. And really, if you want it to take stride, you'll give it the first. All right, so diet. 
Quit something keeping uh, God at the center. Uh, limit screen time to an hour a day. Now here I'm talking specifically about the phone. Here's a simple way you can do it even, and, and this will give you more than an hour a day, but try it. Uh, charge your phone overnight in the morning, you unplug it, and when it runs out, it runs out. So if you're on your phone much, it's going to run out faster. And so you just simply say, I don't charge my phone during the day, period. When it runs out, runs out. And I know, oh, but then I'm not going to get the important Snapchats that my friend is sending me of her cat. I know, that's the point. You're going to have bandwidth to do other things. I, everybody's patting each other. Yeah, I love the one with your cat or whatever. Um, you know, I, but, but that, that stuff, you've got to find ways to, to discipline yourself with screen time. Some of this is about making the bad stuff hard and the good stuff easy. All right? Bad stuff hard. I mean, if you, if you watch too much television, you want to watch less, here's something you can do. Unplug your television every time you're done watching it. So every time you, have, you want to go watch television, you have to go back behind your television and plug the stupid thing in. You're going to watch less television. A few years ago, I decided I was going to pitch in my, my high school's alumni baseball game, but you can't just pitch if you haven't thrown a ball in 15 years. So I had to get in shape for it, so I decided to do it, and I had to make some decisions, and I had to do it quick. So some of you who were around at the time when I did it will remember, I took a baseball and I put it in my refrigerator. And it stayed there for months. And so every time I opened the refrigerator, there was a baseball staring me in the face, right? So some of you need to go take a baseball and put it in the fridge if you know what I'm saying. It's, it's one of those things that you say, okay, I'm gonna go do this. I am going to be serious about this. So I'm going to put this in a place that it makes it super easy for me to do the good stuff and hard to do the bad stuff. Number three, put together a God-honoring budget. And the reason here, again, is abstinence. It's learning to live with less. Learning to not obey every desire of the flesh. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And uh, the spirit of this is kind of captured in a Dave Ramsey quote. He says, you know, if you can't live on 90% of your money, you can't live on 100% of it either. That's his way of saying discipline. It's about discipline. It's not about math, per se. Um, check your friends. Look at the five people you hang out the most with. Are any of them Christians? What kind of impact do they have on you spiritually? If you're always trying to go here, and they're always saying, hey, go here. You know, do you really think that, as Proverbs says, can a man clutch a fire to his chest and not get burned? That's how it works. Your friends have a massive impact on you. Just check your friends. Next up, we have all the word discipline. So pick one of the previous ones. And we'll, we'll mail these out to you, too, by the way. I see a lot of cell phones in the air. Um, we'll, we'll make sure you get them. Uh, word. Now, this is about, again, hearing God's voice and reading of his mighty acts. And the reason that you, you want to do that is because it's so easy to get discouraged. Right? So if, if I'm facing a big obstacle in my life, when I'm tempted to say, I'm worried, I don't think God is going to get me through this, I can call back to what I know is true, what I've read. I can go, I remember, I remember when we just sang about it, right? Uh, he splits the sea so I can walk right through it. You know, Moses and the Israelites are like, great, God delivered us from Egypt to let us die here at the edge of the Red Sea. And Moses is starting to get nervous too. And then God says, hey, take your stick and, and touch the edge, would you? And he does. And it reminds me, you know, God can part the Red Sea. Maybe he can make a way here. That's stuff you get when you're in, in the Word. Regular Bible reading. I'd recommend five out of seven days. Give yourself a couple of wiggle days. 
just because if you if you don't, you're gonna you're gonna bail it anyway. <laughs> uh, two or three chapters each time and read it devotionally. What that means is I'm reading it with with these question, types of questions in mind. What does this tell me about God? And if I took this seriously, what in my life would need to change? And if you ask those two questions, that will take you a long way in reading Scripture. Uh, if you're not a reader, audio listening to the Bible is totally acceptable. There are great versions of it out there. Uh, there's one, James Earl Jones reading the King James Version. That's amazing. Um, you don't know what he's saying, but, but, but it sounds awesome. Um, it's like Shakespeare through James Earl Jones' voice, basically. Uh, there's one called The Bible Experience, which is uh, read by predominantly African-American actors. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Denzel Washington, all these guys. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, there's, uh, you know, almost every kind of version of the audio Bible out there that you can think of. So grab one of those and do it. Join or start a Bible study, okay? We can help you land one. If you're looking for one, we will help you find one. Um, you can listen to or watch the sermon again. The people at the nine, we had an earthquake in here while the sermon was going on. And I accidentally kind of flippantly mentioned, I go, I know everybody's worried about their dogs or whatever. And then I saw the light bulb go on. They hadn't even thought about their dogs until I mentioned it. And then they all started getting worried, you know, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's Valley Center. It was probably pretty close. So even though it wasn't that big, it was, it was, it, I mean, it felt like a, uh, like a jet plane was landing here. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, go back and watch it again or, or whatever. And you can hit forward, backward, you know, uh, if I'm boring, you just speed up or whatever. It's you just go on through, but you can go back and hear it again. If you get distracted, you got here late or whatever the case may be. Quickly, uh, the soap method that I mentioned here. You just grab a blank piece of paper or journal. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. You read a passage of Scripture. <clears throat> you pick something that jumps off the page. And you write it out verbatim, a verse or two. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's S. O, observation. Because God is my shepherd, He meets all my needs. Application. Because God meets all my needs, I don't need to worry about where my next meal is going to come from or where my future is going to lead because I know that He's with me. I need to worry less and trust more. Prayer. Write out a little prayer. God, I thank You for being the one who is my shepherd and who leads me beside still waters for restoring my soul. Uh, I confess to You that I often don't trust You enough. Please forgive me and allow me to um, to be more trusting of you. Thank you for all the ways you've worked throughout history and in my life. The end, right? You can do that every day, and you're going you're gonna to see some, some, it's like rubbing sticks together. You're going to start seeing some smoke eventually, and then the fire's going to get going. And so that's, that's a method I use. Uh, it's very simple, very easy, and you can do it almost anywhere you are. All right, pick one of those. On to prayer. Um, Regular prayer at a set time for all you high structure people. Um, that, that's a time-tested method. Um, a lot of people like to do it first thing in the morning as soon as they roll out of bed or even before they get out of bed. Some people like to go to bed that way. I think both are great. Um, and, and I think one of the keys to doing this well, because this is not one that comes supernaturally for me, honestly. I, have to, uh, I do have to kind of structure that for myself is um, to not feel like every time I pray, I have to go for 15 minutes. Uh, feeling like I'll be heard for my many words, as some people do in the New Testament, that God hears 
what I'm doing. And the sacrifice itself of saying, God, I'm acknowledging you and I'm practicing your presence throughout the day is better for me. So I don't necessarily get up and say, okay, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes first thing in the morning. You know, it's short often, uh, but it's a simple act of dedicating my day to God, acknowledging him first thing in the morning. Uh, and then again, when I go to bed, uh, if I'm having trouble sleeping, by the way, prayer is about the best thing you can do for insomnia. Um, just take it all, whatever's worrying you, bundle it up, barf it out before the Lord and let him take it out and, and take out the trash there for you. And then you'll sleep better. Outdoor prayer. Uh, some people that just being in a room that just feels uninspiring or distracting. Going outside, if you're wired as a kind of a creation person, hiking, if you have a good view on your back patio or whatever, look out at the ocean, look out over the mountains or whatever the case may be, that's a great way to do it. Commuting prayer, turn the radio off um, and just, just pray uh, to God. And like that, worship music, you may not have the guts to sing in here, but I know you all sing in the car. You can do that. Quite seriously, I do it all the time. I'll put on the worship music and I'll sing with it the whole way here from the house. Um, and if you've got a massive long commute, it will help you. Mine's about 11 minutes, um, but that's a lot. And that's like three songs that go in, kind of get in a worship set on your way to the office. And really worship, guys, when, when we're doing this, it's prayer set to music is what it is. We're declaring what we believe to be true about God musically. So... Uh, a lot of people for whom they just saying it is boring or whatever, sometimes worship music's where to go. You can pray the Psalms if you lack words, one or two a day. Just use Scripture itself. Pray those out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Blessed is the one who, right? And, and I mean, obviously you don't have to have them memorized. It's good to memorize, but um, you don't have to. And then here's another one for you extroverts that want to do everything together, find a prayer partner. It's good accountability. Uh, it's good to have others pray for you and you for them. And doing that in community um, is huge. So pick one. And then lastly, fellowship. Um, all of us need the friendship of other people walking the same path. Okay? So uh, growth groups have been uh, kind of stalled out because of, of COVID and all that stuff. It's hard to get people to want to meet in, in strangers' houses and stuff like that. But that's hopefully coming to an end here. I'm going to fire those back up again. Those are basically sermon-based groups where where you can, not all of them are, but but um, they're Bible-based groups where you can get together, be together with other Christians, and sharpen each other, pray for each other. Um, accountability, care, and a sense of belonging. That's kind of the mission statement of the of those groups. You can join a serve team. If you're a basin and the towel person, you just your heart is filled by serving people. Amen. Serving together is awesome. I mean, it's a great way to build friendships and relationships with people. Um, come early and stay late. Okay. Um, imagine going to Thanksgiving at your parents' house, showing up when the main course is served and leaving before dessert. Um, you missed the whole point, right? The whole point of it is to go and be with the family. The food. The food's the food, but the family is the family. And so I think for, for many people, uh, you would be shocked at how it would add to your church experience if you got here 30 minutes before it started, you had your coffee in your hand 20 minutes before it started, and you could hang out with people, and then when it was over, you didn't bolt right away. You stayed, and you got to know people. Uh, you know, and, and so sometimes, like even if you're here super early, you know, uh, spend some time in prayer. Get your heart right, ready for worship. 
get online in one of the in one of the chat rooms for the online services and encourage somebody and wave to them. You know, any of that stuff. All that stuff builds a sense of community and gives us these little touches that reminds us that we're part of something bigger than ourselves and that we're not alone when we're following the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I say attend church three out of four Sundays a month because I think it's a little more reachable. Um, you're going to get sick. You're going to go on vacations and stuff like that. Four out of four would be awesome. If you do one out of four, you're in like the top 20% of the country. Okay. Everybody in polls, people say they go to church a lot more than they do. Um, and, and I think that that shows at times when you go through uh, difficult times, uh, not being around the community, not experiencing things that are going on in the church uh, hurts people, their engagement, feeling a part of things. So just simply saying, you know what, I'm going to be there at least three out of four and I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, uh, I'm going to come late, uh, come, come, come late. No, come early, stay late. There we go. All right. And then uh, just invite somebody over to your house every couple of weeks, uh, another Christian, just say, hey, what, uh, you know, let's talk, how you doing spiritually? What's going on? You know, and that kind of thing. That can be really, really good. All right. So pick one of those. Now the question then becomes, which diet is the most effective? The one you stick to, that's the most effective diet there is. And so if we will stick to it, we will get stronger. So it's like almost anything else. The more you do it, the better you get at it, the more proficient you get at it, the stronger you get. And so that strength that you develop spiritually comes from discipline. We train in such a way that it does us good. You ever run into those people, say you go to the gym, and the people that walk in there, and they got like a Lululemon gear, and they're on their phone the whole time? They walk in, they talk on their phone for an hour and leave. And you never even saw them get on a treadmill. You never saw them do anything. They're just on the phone the whole time or texting the whole time and walking out. That's not what we're after. That's not what we want. We want uh, to work out in such a way to, that it moves the ball down the field. Uh, here's how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? Run to win. Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run, underline this, I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Yeah, amen. I'll tell you this too. You get to a gym, you can always tell the people who mean it and the people who don't, because the people who don't, it'll be like a guy, say, my age, my, my size, and they'll pick up the uh, seven and a half pound dumbbells, lay down on the bench, and do two bench presses with them and then put it down and get up. And you're like, dude, unless you're hurt, what are you doing? Like what? Well, if he goes much longer, it's going to start burning. Who wants that? That hurts, <laughs> right? So that's, I think, what people do, right? I'll go, I'll go this far. I'll go, you know, to the point that the burn starts. When the burn starts, I'm done. Okay, well, you can't you, you, you can't grow that way. We've got people in this church, man, that have been at this a long time. And they may look like they're 85 years old and weak, but from a spiritual standpoint, they are stinking like 
Hulk Hogan or whoever, they are shredded on the inside. And you can learn a lot from them about how to live life in such a way uh, people that have walked with the Lord over a long period of time and overcome all sorts of obstacles, all sorts of spiritual problems. I mean, been through everything you can think of. Massive grief, divorce. I remember in the church I, I appreciate in the past, I had a, he and his wife, nicest guy in the world. He was a judge. He'd lost five kids to drunk driving accidents. Five. And he was a judge. How do you get past that? How do you get past that? Well, I don't know if you do. I don't know if I could. But he and June had. So whenever somebody was going through, you know, something like that or lost a child, I'm going to say, I need to introduce you to somebody. And you guys need to get together and talk, right? Or for somebody who's like, you know what? I just have a hard time understanding the Bible when I read it. I don't know how to, I'm trying to get into it, but it's hard. It's like reading you know, uh, war and peace or something every time I, I try and open it up. I, I don't know what to do. How, can somebody help me get into this? Like, how do I do that? Yes. I'm glad you asked. You're here at church and we got people who know the word here and know how to get you into it and have an infectious ability and enthusiasm for studying God's word. You know what? I don't like people. You have anybody I could like here? I mean, it, it isn't terrible and, you know, boring and whatever. Yes, we got some of those kind of people too, but, you know, most of our people are awesome. Get to know them, you know. I don't know how to pray. Every time I start praying, I get bored and distracted. Okay, we can help you with that, right? That's the point of doing this together, guys. Doing it together. So, sisters and brothers, we kind of, you know, round third base here and head, head to the plate. Let's not be the people who quit working out when we start sweating, right? As, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I run with purpose in every step. I discipline my body like an athlete. Or as Jesus would say, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. For this is God's will for us in Christ. All right. Stay tuned for the bonus material this week. We will uh, get that out to you. And then uh, right now we're going to remember him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Uh, and we do so so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, you should have gotten the elements of communion when you came in. And uh, if you didn't, just put your hand in the air if you'd like some and we'll get it to you. We do this every week at New Vintage time where we remember Jesus, His body and blood, where we, uh, man, that's so good. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now, He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So with that in mind, we'll take the bread and cup here um, as the music plays, as we sing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, with bread and cup, we honor you. We honor Jesus. And we consider him, Father. We think of the hostility he endured from sinful people. 
Father, we ask that you put that deep inside of us so that we won't become weary and give up. Lord, we thank you uh, for the ability to grow, for the fact that you don't just wash your hands of us and say, oh, they'll never get it. But your invitation remains to continue to follow, to continue to, to take your yoke, which is easy, and your burden light, so that we can find rest unto our souls. And one of the great paradoxes of human history is that the harder we try, the more we rest in you. That the more we run the race, the closer we get to you, Father, the easier things become, the less worry we have, the less sadness we've got, because we know that you're near. So Lord, now as we take the bread and the cup, we remember Jesus, his body and blood. We remember he who asked us to love you with heart, mind, soul, and all of our strength. We pray this in his name. Amen.